Welcome to the Health Focus Podcast, brought to you by Memorial Healthcare, where we discuss current trends and topics in healthcare that are important to our local Shiawassee community. We are coming to you from the NOW building and our podcast studio. As always, I'm your host, Dr. Gregory Flamona, General Surgeon here at Memorial Healthcare. With me here today is Dr. Mohamed Daoud, our endocrinologist here at Memorial Healthcare. Today, we will be talking about diabetes and everything that entails to our local population. First, let me thank you, Dr. Aoud, for joining me and taking the time out of your day. So, as we know, Dr. Aoud, November is the month of diabetes, and specifically the 14th of November is World Diabetes Day. Can you give us a glimpse into the burden that this disease is currently causing? Okay. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, definitely, we're talking about uh, not only diabetes, but also about uh, obesity going hand in hand with diabetes. I believe uh, every month uh, should be the month of diabetes, not only November, because of the burden of this disease. Just uh, talking numbers uh, will be more cl- show more clarification about this issue. Uh, as of 2019, the U.S. prevalence of diabetes reached up to 11.3%. In fact, for higher age group above 65, we're hitting numbers almost 30%. In this means almost 37 to 40 million total. That's that's hilarious number. What's more alarming, in fact, that we're getting more youngsters, children with diabetes, including type 2 diabetes. And this is fueled by obesity, obesity, obesity. Uh, For example, the latest obesity prevalence in Michigan is up to 30 to 40 percent. Numbers are not the only issue. We're talking about a disease that's chronic, comes with complication, with a big toll of, you know, uh, cost and you know, health issues that relates to that across the board from microvascular and macrovascular complications. How old are the youngest, like what age group are you seeing this in? Like teenagers or even younger? You know, the cut point for pediatrics for, uh, versus adults is variable uh, okay. twin states, but we decided here to see 15 years and above. So you're and seeing a good amount of patients at that age? Yes, uh, though I prefer most of them to go to pediatrician, okay. but we don't have the service always available, mm-hmm. so uh, I elected to do so. Okay, and so there are kids even younger than that being seen by pediatric endocrinologists who are normally treating type 1 diabetes who are now having to treat type Absolutely. 2. Absolutely, and this is exactly the alarming issue, type 2 in, in children. Mm-hmm. So not only the long-term effects on their body, but the cost of their insurance for years and years to come because of all the possible complications. Absolutely, Absolutely, no doubt. So what are the basic issues patients come to you on that day one? What are you going to address with them? What are they? What can they expect when they see you that first time on your initial visit? Yeah, sure. Uh, I try my best to cover all the following if time allows, but sometimes we do it on different visits. But mm-hmm. usually I emphasize the point that diabetes has different shades of a color with a significant delay in diagnosis to the degree that many patients will show up day one with end organ damage, with complications. And at the same time, we try our best to clarify what kind of diabetes uh, that they have. Usually is it type 2, which is the commonest type, versus type 1, or sometimes other causes that can cause diabetes. And this includes, for example, medications on board, includes uh, diseases of the pancreas, could be a tumor, it could be a surgery, it could be a trauma. So knowing uh, the, the kind of diabetes makes it easier to address the, the, uh, you know, the treatment down the road. The other issue is really... Uh, is uh, t- to try to you know emphasize the point that this is an ongoing daily challenge managing diabetes. It's a teamwork. The center of this team is the patient, 
and we try to empower them with education, with knowledge, with information. For example, dietitian, diabetes education session, uh, as long as covered and, uh, and available for them. Uh, you know, the, uh, uh, the the earlier we get this established, the better outcome. We have data with what describe the legacy of early diagnosis and treatment, which means the earlier you get diagnosed, the earlier you get best uh, treatment, you pay off, you cash out, I mean, the benefit down the road. We have data that this can reflect even down to 40 years plus. So if you do, you do better as early as possible. Don't delay the diagnosis. Don't delay getting the best control as much as you can. Okay. So it seems like obesity is related to a lot of this. Can diabetes, especially type 2, can it in a sense be cured? If Can the pancreas get back to working on its own if we're aggressive enough and the patients are buying into what you need them to do. Interesting. That's a very interesting question because this is kind of the, the hot topic there today. People argue about the idea of going into cure or remission. Mm-hmm. In theory, yes. In the old days, we said this is a, a chronic, progressive, rentless disease that we have nothing to do about. But really, we have the tools now to talk about going into remission or even cure, if you allow me. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, if you can get patient off medication for months and months and while maintaining good glucose control. So I believe in that, and I think uh, the area we intervene with the current available tools and tackling obesity per se, mm-hmm. that's an option, yes. That's excellent. Because that, that's what everybody wants nowadays. They want a cure. They don't want to have their chronic disease. And so that's, I guess that can give them hope, you know, down the long term of, okay, well, I'm not going to be taking insulin or, or, or whatever medication. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, even it's not called the cure, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Even what we, if you call it remission. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of being off medication and managing without uh, medical treatment, that's, that's an achievement. Excellent. No so with all these, these therapies you're kind of alluding to for diabetes, what are the main concepts that you're applying when you look at all these different interventions, whether it be insulin, the oral glycemic scanner? You know, how do you decide uh, for any given patient, you know, what, what's the best path for them? You know, uh, usually, uh, you know, b- before addressing this, I think we should know that we have uh, the options that we have, they come in different flavors. They mm-hmm. come as tablets, they come as injectable format, and they belong to different classes of medication. Okay. Each medicine addresses uh, a different defect or, uh, you know, uh, pathophysiology, we call it, basis that leads to high blood sugar or diabetes. So each indication address different aspects. So we try to address what is related to that patient, either using a tablet or using an injection uh, or, uh, or similar or combination of medication that comes in tablets or injections. But the, the final say which medicine to use is two things. One, uh, uh, the efficacy and safety for the patient, but also uh, addressing uh, the weight issue and uh, the uh, long-term benefit uh, on different ba- uh, grounds, which is related to cardiovascular benefit and kidney protection. And each of these medications, they have their pros and cons. Okay. And that's how we m- make the choice. So if somebody already has kidney disease, you're going to attack that different than somebody who might not have kidney disease based on what the different medications can uh, Absolutely, provide. considering the choice of the medication and sometimes how aggressive we are in managing okay. this. We have to be careful what to choose, yes. Okay. So do you add in a lot of weight loss treatment with some of these patients or the nutrition aspect? So they're not just treating the diabetes, they're treating the cause as well. Absolutely. I mean, uh, to start, uh, we have always to emphasize that uh, therapeutic lifestyle changes, diet, exercise, smoking cessation, good life habits are the baseline for any treatment for diabetic patients. Uh, And when we choose medication, we try to choose the best medicine, but at the same time, medicine that does not add to the weight 
a medicine that uh, provides the least risk of having low sugar, and if possible, the medicine that is good for your heart or give you protection for the heart or protect your kidney. Okay. And we have the tools. Mm-hmm. The problem we are bombarded with the you know coverage and the cost of these medication, mm-hmm. and we have you know to be realistic, we deal with this every day as as possible. Yes, I, I can't imagine how frustrating that can be for certain patients with the insurance world out there as we see it. So how successful are we in doing this? How, you, know, you know, when you look at your average patient, you know, do you have hope going forward or, you know, kind of what are you seeing in your daily practice with a success? I'm always optimistic, despite the fact we have a big gap, uh, you know, to improve, a big room to improve. Uh, I believe uh, if you compare many years ago, I mean, we're, we're improving definitely. Still, still, if you want to, how you, if you, uh, you want to measure your success, mm-hmm. let's say, one of the uh, parameters that we use to assess uh, good control or bad control for a uh, diabetic patient is uh, hemoglobin A1C mm-hmm. or glycated hemoglobin or the average blood sugar for the last 8 to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. And if uh, targeting an A1C below 7, which is the least mm-hmm. accepted uh, optimal care, uh, is the goal, uh, we're hardly reaching 50-55% of okay. our patients. It used to be worse. Okay. So but we're improving. Yes, but in fact, caring uh, for somebody who has diabetes is not just uh, uh, glucose control. Mm-hmm. It's their weight, it's their blood pressure, it's their cholesterol, lipids, etc. Mm-hmm. So if you try to say, hey, how good I am controlling blood pressure and lipids, the cholesterol, in addition to the A1C, which reflect the glycemic control, the glucose control, mm-hmm. uh, we're hardly reaching 20, 25%. Okay. Bottom line, we have big room to improve. Mm-hmm. Okay. And is that improvement in better medications or is it patient buy-in? Where, where do you see the big, on average, if you've seen somebody that's not reaching those goals, what can be improved? Is it education to the patient? Kind of what yeah, factors I, do you fight against? Absolutely, absolutely. The first thing we try to fight is to get them better education and involvement of uh, proper di- uh, dietitian service, proper diabetes education, which again, unfortunate, on many occasions they're not covered, which is which is you know kind of ironic. Mm-hmm. Where we need the basics to be established, we don't have it covered. But we do our best with that. In addition to this, again, choosing the right medication. So an education that we can provide in the office as much as we can, plus picking the right medicine that can address both the, gl- the glucose issue, the blood sugar, and the other issues, especially the weight. And we have the tools for that. We have different class medication now that can help with weight loss as well as protection for the heart and the kidney. All right. Excellent. Good. Any final messages you want to impart on our, our listening audience as we kind of wrap up today? If, if I will be allowed to say something, I will say we try to treat patient, not numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, numbers are there to guide us, to help. Mm-hmm. And uh, we try to go with the patient-centered uh, uh, care rather than glucose-centered care. That's not the, the best way to do it focusing on the sugar only. Uh, we care for the patient, aiming to prevent complications, optimize the quality of life, uh, making sure that safety comes first, I mean causing no harm, and remembering that there is no cap that fits every head. So every patient is different. I can see 12, 15 patients a day, mm-hmm. and maybe none of them is treated exactly the same way. Okay. And uh, uh, emphasizing your previous uh, p- uh, question, mm-hmm. I believe diabetes can be prevented, okay. and if you have it, you may have you may ca- you may go into remission or even a cure uh, with the current model of treatment, medication-wise, including even obesity surgery, bariatric surgery that can provide a chance for a cure or a remission. Excellent. So there's hope. 
there's <laughs> always hope. There's always hope. Yes. Which is good. And I think that's what a lot of patients want. Yes. You know, they want to be heard. They want to know that there is a light at the end of that tunnel. And we're here to help, to mm-hmm. provide the best advice mm-hmm. and uh, to work with our patient as a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, if I'm allowed to say the last uh, sentence, uh, the center of uh, uh, the success for managing anybody with diabetes to start with is the patient. Without their involvement, it doesn't work. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time. Uh, everybody, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you to Dr. Aoud thank for, you. for spending your again. lunch with us. Um, and as always, thank you for listening to the Memorial Healthcare Podcast, Health Focus. If you've enjoyed our show, please review us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast, and be sure to join us as we bring you more episodes down the road. Until then, this is Dr. Flermone, the voice of Memorial. <laughs>